Hello, this is Ways to Improve the World, a series of life-affirming conversations with people making the world a better place. I'm Michael Sheridan, and on this uplifting podcast, I'll be going on a bit of a personal journey to try and find the good in the world. We all know there's a lot of bad things happening, but I reckon there's still hope. There's still good people doing amazing things, being kind and making change. And in each episode, I'll be meeting these people and chatting with them about what they're doing and about what we can all do to make this planet that we call home a bit better. So come join me on my journey as I hope we can try and find some of the ways we can improve the world. Hello, in this episode I'm joined by some legendary Mancunians, that's Jenna G and Rose Marley. For our international listeners, Mancunian is somebody from the wonderful city of Manchester in the UK. Um, We're going to be talking about working in the creative sector and how we can make that more accessible and and give more opportunities to people um, and how that can make the world a better place. This episode was recorded in July 2020. I was ringing factory records every day to say, can I work for you for free, can I work for you for free? I mean, straight away, there needs to be a fairer deal for artists and creators. So, big boys, step down, please. One of my many names in Manchester is Guestless Queen. So, if you ever need to get in anywhere, <laughs> drop general lines, you'll get you in. Actually, like, blagging's a really good skill. And actually, if you're born in Westminster, it's called high-level negotiation. We should be reaching for everybody to be on an equal footing for if someone does want to be an artist and does want to create, then that means they can support themselves. It was very much a kind of moment of realisation that I could kind of open doors and show people pathways that, they, that, that, that nobody had shown me. At the time of recording, Rose is a founding director of Sharp Futures, The Sharp Project and Space Studios, where some of the UK's biggest high-end TV productions are filmed. She was the managing director of Manchester's first MIDI studio, Silk Studios, managing brands for the biggest music labels, including EMI and Warner. Jenna is a very talented artist and songwriter on the bass music scene and beyond. She's collaborated with the likes of Chase and Status, Goldie and Roll Deep, and her music career has taken her all around the globe. Thank you guys both so much for coming to join me on the Ways to Improve the World podcast. It's a pleasure to have you both on. Thanks for asking. Yeah, thanks for having us. How are we both today? Not bad. Yeah, wishing the weather was better, but it's, uh, it's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Typical Manchester weather. Today we're chatting about creative opportunities for young people and the role this has in making the world a better place. And now both of you had quite young starts in the creative industries, didn't you? So Jenna, tell us a little bit about how your career began. I was uh, 15 years old. Um, I was with a crew from Pirate Radio. But yeah, it was my first release uh, called Real Tight under the stage name Ravel Mills. It was a lovely 90s R&B ditty about something I can't remember, love or something. But yeah, I was quite young. And Rose, you were 21 when you first became the managing director of uh, a big uh, music studio. Yeah, but I was actually 14 Uh when I put my first gig on. So, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, by the time we were 21, we were were veterans. (laughs) Yeah, you've got to start young, got to get on it. And I made my mum and dad be the bouncers. I love that. Everyone was was drinking and being sick and passing alcohol through the toilet. (laughs) They've still never forgiven me. (laughs) I'm sure it was 
a good night. <laughs> and Jenna, how did you first become involved in pirate radio? Um, and what happened next for you? I'd switched schools um, from uh, one high school to another and I was acting up. I was being a tearaway. Never. <laughs> I mean, I mean, a rebel. I know, you're such an angel now, Jenna. What happened? So, yeah, I'd come, I, I think my mum, so she was listening to pirate radio one day and they were like, oh, if anyone wants to come and sing, like come down to the studio, like phone this number. So my mum did and just was like, take yourself off there on a Saturday, stay out of trouble, <laughs> go to a legal <laughs> radio station in the middle of Moss Side, stay out of trouble. And I met loads of other people in the in the radio station that were doing all different kinds of music. I started to develop like as an artist and as a performer, um, yeah, from really young. And after that, it was just clubs and then from clubs to studios and then from studios to dance floors all over the world. Yeah, because you did, you did a lot of tours. Didn't you? Well, you've done a lot of stuff, haven't you, like abroad and around the world and things. You had some stuff. Is it, was it in Brazil? Did you do some stuff? Yeah. I have been ever, played on every single continent. Everywhere. I uh, haven't <laughs> played in Canada, actually. Come on, Canada. It's half my family. Yeah, I was going to say, because your dad's Canadian, <laughs> isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit weird, but yeah, everywhere else. You're very fortunate to have done music um, because it has took me everywhere. Because what I'm known for is drum and bass, so it's like, kind of an underground scene but it's a worldwide underground scene a cheap ticket around the world right a good album i think that's one of the great things about music though that it can sort of transcend international borders and be recognized around the world it sounds like you've been having an amazing time so far jenna um, and rose i believe your journey into the music industry involved phoning factory records quite a bit didn't it <laughs> yeah yeah just generally trying to get in for free was how my career started trying to get backstage trying to avoid queues trying not to pay <laughs> and, and, and normally because we didn't have the money it's not like i had the money but the very first event i crewed on was um cities in the park which was a which was the first ever music event at heaton park and we um we ended up tagging on to the crew briefing when they issued the uh t-shirts and all the instructions they were two t-shirts short so we had to own up however <laughs> given that we knew what to do now they should just let us do it for free um which they did you know you get yourselves into the networks um and then also yeah when i did go to university in leeds um there was an element of having um, a placement which was really unusual then actually 300 years ago when it was at uni because <laughs> there was literally only three media courses in the country totally um, different landscapes now though isn't it compared yeah, to there's probably hundreds yeah, of degrees yeah. now i was ringing factory records every day saying can i work for you for free can i work for you for free um but there was a lady called um jane lemon and uh, she took pity on me and managed to get me work experience with um one of the factory directors tina simmons and at the time tina managed um martin hannah the producer and uh, beth who went on to be portis head uh, and various other people but she was in a build she was on the floor in church street with loads of other businesses I never left there really. I just worked for everybody in there for the next three years, and that's how I learned. Um, well, learned everything that uh, I needed to know at the time about getting backstage for free. <laughs> so, so top tips: sne- sneak into events for free. That's how you start. <laughs> Yeah, make yourself useful. Yeah, yeah, make yourself useful. You know, when I met this other crew at the radio station, they were doing gigs at the clubs that I actually wanted to get into. So like the drum and bass clubs, the jungle nights, and they were quite pricey. So again, it was like, well, if I'm with them, yeah, I can MC. Yeah, totally. What, what do you do? 
okay, yeah, I can do that. So yeah, so it's, it's all about wanting to be in somewhere, isn't it? And you'll just be like, yeah, I'll do it for free. And you get in. <laughs> Some of the terms that are used to describe a Mancunian that you may have heard might be the term a blagger. Actually, like blagging's a really good skill. And actually, if you're born in Westminster, it's called high level negotiation. <laughs> actually, Love that. what blagging means is that you got someone to do something that they weren't planning to do, or you got something for free. Yeah. It's a skill that every Mancunian has inherently within them that should be encouraged more is my belief i am a blagger jenna's a very good jenna's a very good blagger one of my many names on manchester is guestless queen so if you ever need to get in anywhere drop jenna a line to get you in just hit me up just hit me up i feel like i've adopted this um sort of like blagger skill since being in manchester because i'm from like a Mm. small town in cheshire and it um but then when i moved to manchester and went to uni and stuff I, i feel like i must have adopted this skill of how to kind of just having the skills to believe that you could do it if you were given the opportunity to, I think, isn't it? That's it. And that's what I mean. There's a big difference between blagging and bullshitting. You know, if you're going to blag, if you're, if you're going to blag someone that you can do something, you've actually got to be able to pull it off. If you totally believe you can do it, but you just need someone to show you one time and then you'll pick it up. That's, you know, that's a good blag. That's how I kind of got into uh, Columbia Records, Sony Records at the age of 16. I was in a it was like a music workshop and they had someone from Columbia records. And he was like, you know, if anyone wants an internship, when I always say, just put your hand up. So I was like, me, <laughs> yeah, I'd got in the building and then I just shadowed everybody. I was like, what are you doing? What's that? What's this? And would you like help with that? And That's when something came, yeah, they were like, Oh, that girl's literally been here. Who is she? She can do it. You know, I think all the opportunities, uh, I've ever had it's I've you know I've had no experience doing it but I've been like yeah I'll be up for that reads intently how to do it how to do it, yeah. Just... <laughs> yeah that's it yeah definitely and like Jenna said you know what's really really important is that you make yourself useful make yourself indispensable is, is what I say to kind of anybody who wants to find a way into the into you know particularly the creative industries which are tough it's totally the right advice like be indispensable but I wonder how relevant that is now when people are quite they're already quite self-sufficient before they've got into these um roles where maybe they could make themselves indispensable and be that kind of thing and I know that a lot of stuff that we do we're also like this to young people don't be going in there and doing anything for free you know, like, so I, I wonder where the, the crossover is, because it definitely used to be like that. But with so many opportunities, with so much access to like better technology and just information, education, you know, like, but also you can just go on YouTube and learn stuff really quickly. So where does that coming into the workplace and being indispensable, you know, yeah. I would just wonder, where does it start? Where's yeah, the crossover? Definitely. One of the, one of the, um, attributes that works really well is just making yourself available yeah that's definitely true i am i actually had to learn to start saying no that's another thing isn't it because you know i have definitely been that person you know someone needs a presenter like in 40 minutes someone needs (laughs) yeah someone needs someone to host a panel someone needs to like i have literally been for like rosie sat there going yeah (laughs) (laughs) and you know and so that is that you know when you do kind of just when you are available, the work does carry on rolling in. And I would definitely say that's what's kept me in work for so long. I'm dreading ringing Jenna next week. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> Jenna, <I'm> just <laughs> <laughs> 
You're listening to Ways to Improve the World with me, Michael Sheridan. You can get in touch on socials at Improve World Pod. Rose, so obviously you were Jenna's manager, but how did you guys actually meet then? I was thinking about that the other day. We were managing an artist for EMI called uh, Y1, a guy originally from uh, uh, Hong Kong. And I remember him coming into the studio one day and saying, check this out. And it was uh, a drum and bass track with this very angry young woman on there shouting about <laughs> how it's all, all about me. Do you remember that track? <laughs> all about me. Yeah, yeah I love yeah, that chapter. <laughs> uh, I, I just, it was one of those moments, like stop you in your tracks moments. It was just like, we've got to meet this this, this woman but I remember I tell you I remember the gig where we got you signed do you remember that cargo gig don't say no is it cargo most I important gigs of my life Jenna do not say you don't remember <laughs> do you not remember you know, oh no <laughs> I think it was your first live gig uh, and it was brilliant um Jenna it was brilliant it was before um smartphones mm-hmm. which is how so there's no photos most of my memories are made nowadays I just look back Only on photos, the phone yeah. and go oh that's, that's what, what was going, going on that day <laughs> you know and I think um yeah you know a major record company uh trying to work out what to do with the angry woman from Manchester well there's I'm sure there's many I from was, Manchester I was the one just trying to get clothes for free on every single shoot are you allowed to just take the clothes yeah. you just take the clothes you just have to ask and have this well or? if you're very grateful and humble and work very closely and respect the stylist yeah. nine times out of ten you can take the show oh, that's good then I was listening to your track the other day Jenna with Chasing Status it's cool isn't it thank you it's a drum and bass classic I love it it's ace shout out to In Love by Chasing Status featuring the wonderful Jenna G when you guys were starting out as creatives how were your family about it because I know for a lot of people, family and parents can sometimes say things like, oh, well, it's a great hobby, but how are you going to make any money from it? Or, you know, what's your life plan sort of thing? For you guys, were your family supportive about you working in the sector? I mean, my parents have always been really supportive. Like my dad was like my dad was a musician. Yeah. I guess when I kind of figured out that I couldn't be an FBI agent because I wasn't born in England. I mean, I wasn't born in America. And that really, that really cut me deep. So I was like, screw you, education. I really did want to be an FBI agent. Totally wanted to be an FBI agent. When I figured out that I had to... I had to like go to America. Yeah, I was like, okay, yeah. I'll do what I've kind of always like done, which is singing. When I started to take it seriously, it was very supportive. And yeah, my mum and my dad have always been really proud. And I guess, again, it made it like a viable career, you know, like for That's me. It, yeah. mm-hmm. Like I was, you know, when you're saying like, Rose, you get like, oh, I was so excited going down to get a deal. Like I remember feeling like that about the music industry, you know, like, oh my God, it's like, you know, people on Tim Panelli just writing songs all day and signing a deal with like champagne and like whoa, walking down a corridor with like like fingies gold discs all down them, like wow. Um, and it's so different now. I mean, obviously there is still that, but it's so different now. It really is so different. But I think it's more exciting because people have got more control. So you don't, you're not, you don't have to live that weird fantasy. And like, you know, to say to your parents, oh. I'm releasing a track like you can go look online there it is on Spotify and that's how many plays it has and that's how many fans I have you know it's like a bit more real time for people to for yeah. people to understand uh, that aren't in it that aren't in music 
So would you say it's kind of in some way sort of more accessible to people or kind of less accessible? I think it's more accessible, but I think that the, the big pipe, the big dreams are as, is as inaccessible as ever. There's definitely something that's been wrong in the music industry. Um, and I think that artists having more control means that when they do get to those big signings, they can they can call more control. You know, artists really have to like come back in and take control, like take full control, um, which is something that you know, hopefully, access to technology and people having the downtime to actually learn more about this craft that they're doing. Hopefully, people will start banding together and be like, "Hey, streaming services, pay us." We're creators and we can't survive off our arts. Only. Oh, I agree with that one, Jenna. And also, I, I do think it's actually, I do think it's less accessible now. Um, you know, like 95% of all major recordings are coming from private, public and grammar school kids. The trouble is now, um, there was a lot of opportunity. If you look at some of our most creative kind of exports, like, uh, you know, Oasis, you know, Noel Gallagher was signing on and learning his craft. J.K. Rowling wrote her, you know, the first Harry Potter whilst on benefits. There is no way on this earth that you could sign on and be creative now. You know, it's just not an option. In some ways, it's a lot more accessible because of technology. But actually, from a from a social point of view, I think that the divide's getting even wider. But I am fuming fuming about the lack of creativity in our state schools mm-hmm. um, and the way the curriculum's gone. So I had a better arts and entertainment education in the 70s than my children have had now. How, how is that even possible? I got free music lessons. You know, and you don't just do creativity because you want a creative career. You know, if you do drama at school, you'll be a better presenter in your, your working life or you'll be more confident in yourself. And I really do think that is creating a lot less access because people don't even know they're any good at it. They've and, they, and they've not developed yeah. look for it, you know. But if you've not been nurtured, you know, if you've never felt rhythm, yeah, you know, and mm. and, you're, and and you have to go and discover that yourself. It's like you said before, Michael. You know what? Quite yeah. a lot of people might not be in worlds where their family uh, uh, have got art in their lives anyway. Um, but if you've not got that, not um, and you're not getting it in school, like you're never ever going to be in the creative industries. So there is like a there is something going on where state schools are being left out of something which we know to be beneficial, not just for individuals, but also for um, Britain's economic, like creative in- industries. Do you know what I mean? It, it puts back in. You know what, Jenna? We, so we do it a lot at the Sharp Project. As you know, we'll invite schools in because we want them to understand what creative digital careers and opportunities there are. Um, and what's really, what's really hard um, is the schools that need it the most often are the schools that are the hardest to get in. Uh, for all all sorts of varieties of reasons, but we make a concerted effort to make sure we get those schools. But it really is hard um, to get the state school kids out of school, even just with all the lack of resource that they've currently got and all sorts of stuff. And music will and does change people's lives, um, without a doubt. I I absolutely know, without a doubt, I would not have the career I have had uh, had I not learnt music. That I think that's the thing, though, isn't it? With edu- with education, um, obviously, it's like so. Vital 
vital for people to see that they could be do, do something creative or you know be you know work in that industry but if they're not if they're never shown that there's a chance to do it or if they're like we, was, we were saying the other day jenna weren't we about how um the idea of like the mega star the prized like thing is the only thing that as if that's all the sort of creative industries is when actually there's all these there's a whole ecosystem of different jobs and opportunities and that's not just in music but in all the creative industries but if kids don't know that these such job roles exist and that you know that, that there is a hierarchy so you can go in entry level and work in telly like i have or in you know in in media or music or film or whatever but if the kids don't know that they exist and that them jobs are there then they're not gonna think they can ever work in it are they yeah it's true i think like you don't have to be the guy on the camera or the actress in front of the camera you can still be part of a team there's like a billion people behind scenes time to take a quick break now it's the part of the show where we hear from someone who's doing something to make the world that little bit better I'm Rachel Jepson and I am from Manchester and I opened in December the Centre for Mental Health in the music industry. I believe that this will make the world a better place because it will give people a place to come virtually and in person um, for workshops, training and most importantly discussion. Discussion about change what needs to change and improve in the music industry to help support its members um, with their mental health and well-being. I don't feel enough is done around this issue. Um, and I think just raising awareness, having a place to discuss things and um, bounce ideas, what can, what can we do about this, um, implement things, real, real change that needs to take place. Um, I am a musician and a psychotherapist um, and I know that I benefit massively from having a space to talk about change um, and what needs to take place to improve the music industry um, supporting people. If you've got a story or know anyone that's got a story that you'd like featured on the show, you can email ways to improve the world at gmail.com or get in touch on social media at improve world pod. just about getting access to that first entry-level role really isn't it which is something that sharp futures looks to do isn't it rose so tell us a little bit more about sharp futures then so sharp futures is a social enterprise which means that we are as concerned about the uh, social return on investment as we are the financial um, and in essence we have two different services one's very educational about uh, explaining what the careers and opportunities are in creative digital um, and the other is about getting uh, young people into paid work in the sector and we've developed a service called pod sharp futures pod people on demand and uh, it is a verb we do pod people out to places like bbc itv cisco gaming companies everything from kind of being runners to data inputters to editors for social media graphic designers because there's a real catch-22 about you know what experience have you got you know even when you're asking for experience people want to know what experience you've got so by joining sharp futures pod while you're still at college or, or university or while you're working in a coffee shop and you don't want to give up on your dreams um it means that people get that work and an opportunity and we've got like a really 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 high success rate of people that absolutely would never have got into the creative industries now i remember the last graduation that jenna was at because jenna is a sharp futures ambassador 
yes. just Jenny your face when some of the people that you'd seen come in three years earlier, you know, and, and what they were doing and where they were going. And then Jenny turned around to me and she went, can't you do that for me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm never satisfied. I'm never satisfied. You know, they do amazing work at Shark Futures and, the, the you know, the, the talent from, from Pod is is it's top class as uh, you know as the job placements go yes it really is so it's it, and it, it was very much from my experience of trying to earn money in the sector so we talk a lot about the gig economy now actually the creative industries have always been in the gig economy that's where the name comes from you're as good as your last gig because you don't need to employ an editor all year long you only need them for six weeks three months so it is always about getting a gig um, and that's why we have a social mobility issue in the creative industries Huge because thing, yeah. actually who's paying you in between gigs yeah you know if you don't have somebody paying your rent or mortgage how are you going to live um, you'll end up getting um, a job at a coffee shop so uh, but join pod because every now and then when you've got a day off you can go and be a runner on the Mancunian way you know uh, sort of trafficking zombies or whatever <laughs> exciting opportunity I did that curfew that was good fun yeah I loved it <laughs> Yeah, what you doing today yeah put a high vis jacket put on. a high vis jacket um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> watch out for the zombies <laughs> so really pod is like freelancing but on payroll and it's growing and we're investing in it actually you know like i said there's a lot of talk about the gig economy in negative ways we hear about all the the, the poor um you know versions of that and certainly in the care sector it, it, it is shocking but actually in our world you know you need to have flexible part-time working that is sustainable because you can do lots of different things you do need to be a jack of all trades as well as being a master yeah, at definitely. one um and so that's what we've designed pod very much from our experience of um how to tough we found it um getting into the sector and then you know wanting to kind of do something that you know does does put back and does allow you to share your knowledge and experience and the other thing as well is you know creative digital in, in, in exponential growth because of screens because everyone now has a smartphone um and actually um greater manchester you know we've always been really good at content making content and exporting content and it is growing and we are the biggest conurbation outside london um, and we do need good people and actually if you keep sourcing them from the same old you know places you don't get fresh talent you don't get new voices you don't get new stories and you know you miss out on whole swathes of opportunity so yes there's a very you know there's that social impact but financially as well and economically it's really important to the city that people do have um creative digital skills um i think that it's like really important for people to like be able to support their, their industries by giving away that like knowledge and experience because obviously rose you you've done a huge amount in the music industry uh with you know with lots of knowledge of working with brands and things like that so was there was there kind of a moment for you where you sort of realized that okay i've i've got i've done all these you know really great things i, w- I want to like you know help support the you know the the new people new talent that's kind of coming up was a kind of a thing that made you think actually i want to sort of do move it into that sort of area yeah, without a doubt. I mean, when I first started working in the music industry, it was only because of Manchester. I know how acutely lucky I am that Manchester happened. And and uh, I remember being in EMI Records or Warner Chapel. I'm thinking, I remember the first couple of years I started working in the music business, I used to think, gosh, somebody's going to like realise I'm from Moston and I haven't got a clue what I'm doing. <laughs> 
um, and, and you know, I had real like imposter syndrome about how I shouldn't be there, you know. And actually, within a couple of years, I realised that they didn't know what they were doing. Yeah, it's just that they went to the right schools, and actually, that all the top people in the business, you know, all. Um, yet already knew somebody in the business that had enabled them to get them in. It was an absolute moment in time and uh, I was running in the city for Tony Wilson and Yvette Lives at the time and my mother-in-law was dying. But, you know, it was it was very much a kind of moment of realisation that you, that you, that I could make a difference, that I had all this knowledge and contacts and experience and that I could kind of open doors and show people pathways that, they, that, that, that nobody had shown me and it became a real sort of passion to want to do that. Definitely, yeah. I think kind of the current situation as well as really like under the pandemic has really exposed um, all of these problems in that for us, the creative freelancers, that we just don't have any support. You know, it's a lot easier to freelance, like you say, when you've got financial support and stability. If you haven't got that and you're from like a working class background like myself, it can be much more tricky. And that's why things like Sharp Futures and Pod are really great because, it, it, like you say, people can get the chance to the opportunities to do things that they would never have really even known about or ever even been there. Do you know what I mean? So it's really a great thing to have for people there available. We've got about 20 pod members on furlough that have all been early, you know, so so because they, because they were on payroll for pod, even though they were in, in essence freelancing, um, but because of the way we set it up. And that proves to me, and it's something that I'm working on at the moment around the universal basic income and all the build back better stuff. We have to find a way to change people's thinking from having an income for life as opposed to a job for life. We've told young people so much that they're not going to have a job for life, that they're not looking for one. The UK could be at the forefront of Industry 4.0 like it was at the original Industrial Revolution if we actually work out how to enable our workforce to choose their working hours, to work flexibly, to trust that when people need to work a little bit less because they've got stuff going on in their lives, like they're pregnant, that that's okay. And, um, you know, that, that, that society can underpin people's um, mobility and flexibility mm. to work. You know, everybody's got to work. You know, most people want to work. So this idea that if you gave people like a, a security blanket of a, of a minimum living, uh, that people wouldn't work, yeah. it's, it, it, it's not true. There's a moment in time and the pandemic's really brought out, like, you know, the fear of bosses about people working from home. Well, you know what? I've, got, I've worked harder than ever from home. Mm. Yeah, me too. I've worked longer hours, I think. <laughs> I do, because I do, I'm not in a, you know, I'm not commuting. I think we're going to hit a really, really tough, period but I think there's loads of opportunity on it in it and um, I'm excited about what that might mean for accessibility into the creative industries in particular. Yeah and and hopefully it can really sort of be a chance to have you know reform you know for the industries hopefully fingers crossed. Yeah I mean it would be stupid that after you know something as as monumental as as what's happened in terms of everything shut down and had to reset it would be really really like silly of, of everybody to try and go back to how it was because that can't happen for so long and it really is about people in within those different industries informing themselves of what could be the, the new the new norm I hate that but, but what, what could, could yeah. be the new norm you know it doesn't have we don't have to go back to the way it was like there's been a lot of proof that stuff works magic money trees are real you know people can work from home you don't have to commute you know so I think people especially young people they see that and this you know we're talking about their 
working world. We're talking about their futures. They definitely don't want to go back to the same thing, you know? So I'm totally down to support that change. However, someone like me can do it. Do you know what I mean? I'm definitely taking my time to inform, you know, like I have had a really like penchant about the music industry for a while because I think the charts are terrible. I love pop music, but it's absolutely just been ruined. And, you know, I think that the amount of music that's unheard and undeveloped and unsupported is amazing. And so I've really just not been paying attention, but with all this that's happening, it's like, I need to be being vocal about it. Like I've had success in the music industry. People look to me and be like, oh, wow, you actually made it. And actually, you know, the way that people think I made it, I didn't. I've had a really hard time. And so I'm making it a point of my journey going forward to be able to be real about people that want to get in the music industry and support them in ways that I know how, which is inform them about the absolute absurdity of streaming royalties and how labels shouldn't be making money off the little independent artists. You know, these big labels are taking loans and money. That's makes me so angry. You know, so that's me. You know, you'll find me on a soapbox somewhere tearing down the man. <laughs> and you'll find me stood there applauding Jenna when she does it because this is, you know, this is one of the things, the frustrations through through the, the, the pandemic is that we all turn to content, you know, um, but not everybody was paid for their content. I really do think that content makers have been undervalued through this period as well. Yeah, mm-hmm, agreed. This is Ways to Improve the World with me, Michael Sheridan. You can follow the podcast on social media at Improve World Pod. And thinking about sort of going forward through the pandemic and after it, if we ever get through it, I hope we do. <laughs> what do you both think uh, is sort of need needs to happen in the creative industries in order to support young talent? What what things can like the industries do? What what do we think needs to change? I mean, straight away, there needs to be a fairer deal for artists and creators. You know, we've got artists like Nadine Shah moving back home to live with her mum and dad. She's had a top selling, like top 10 album this year. That's not right. It doesn't make sense. So, you know, definitely in terms of big media companies, let's, let's, it's not even about trickle down. Just take your hands out your pockets, mate. Just let's make it fair. You've had, you've had like how many years if they had, do you know what I mean? Now's the time to just make it fair because I really think if it doesn't, the chaos and anarchy that will ensue isn't going to be good for anybody. You know, it has to be a together move. So, big boys, step down, please. Just if you're listening, step down. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and it's fine to just hold your hands up and be like, we haven't been fair. Do you know what I mean? That's fine. No one's going to like take you out and you never make work again you will work again just be honest and be fair like yeah. it's not hard it's not hard do you know what I mean definitely Rose what what, what do you think needs to change oh gosh so much like I say from from the point of education talented uh, state schools actually being uh, given opportunities you know education in schools for the creative industries is, is, a, is a huge one uh, employment law it isn't right that um, if you are talented um, you also have to be affluent to be able to be successful and that's where we are right now uh, as Jenna's touched on a lot of the structural stuff around the music industry so I've had quite um, 
a, a varied kind of career and a lot of opportunity to work across you know so I've worked music television gaming you know all sorts of entertainment and music was the first to be hit when the bottom fell out of the record industry everybody went into blind panic and yeah you know took rights that weren't traditionally owned by record companies uh, to enable them to survive and to grow and as, as Jenna says um, actually now that's bottomed out it's not it's not in anywhere near level so if you've got an artist and I do so as so a heritage act if you're a music manager which I stepped out of a long time ago because it's really 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 tough to make money out of the entertainment businesses if you're not already loaded you know it just is um because it is you're as good as your last hit you know and actually if you have a hit you'll get taxed on it yeah uh, so the fact that you need to live off that hit for the next 10 years, but most of it's gone to tax. You know, there's just so many structural things wrong about about the way it's all set up. But let's say if you if you if you work in uh, in the way um, in music management, if I was in music management, I would get into heritage acts. Yeah, because that's where the big money is. And when I talk about heritage acts, you know, anything from the 80s, you know, and, and, and down. Because if you manage an artist like that, you will still get massive PRS checks um, because they'll play your music on gold um, and on actual radio stations and television companies that do still pay their rights and royalties if you're a brand new artist now and the biggest place you can break yourself is on insta live or on youtube you know the money the amount of um, exposure and potential hits you have to get to get paid i mean it's ridiculous it's something like you know a million hits get you like 50 quid you know who a million hits you know streams like how can you live on that it's ridiculous i read this article so there's a classical musician i can't remember her name but she's like a violinist or a cellist she's had like six top 10 classical albums over the past year she's like streaming i think she's had something like six million streams and for the past six months her royalty was 64 pounds and 10p absolutely mad so my husband uh, is a is a music producer and he gets like these royalty statements now and they'll be like that you know that thick you know three inches thick and he'll have been on like all sorts of stuff on daytime television like genesis and you'll get at the end of it you get like a check for like you know 60 quid or something <laughs> uh, whereas like at the at the you know in its heyday i have artists uh, manager friends who manage you know artists that have got like those heritage acts and those big hit records and they still get every quarter a couple of hundred thousand pounds worth of royalties. And that's what you did used to get. If you had a hit, you would get, you know, a couple of hundred thousand pounds a year off your PRS statements. And that PRS is is, is the money that is uh, paid through to artists that you don't see as a consumer, as a, as a member. Of the where every time you walk in a hairdresser's, for example, and, and the, the radio is on. Yeah. Um, but streaming is not mirroring that at all by, by any stretch of the imagination and people aren't buying the streaming and you know it, it, you can make more money in fact I know plenty of artists that do but you can make more money if you literally go and sell you know CDs on Market Street or you literally go and sell physical copies of music in your own community than you can make through having a massive hit like online so mm. it doesn't add up and it doesn't, it doesn't add up, up does it? for social mobility it doesn't. it doesn't add up for new talent and it doesn't add up you know the other thing that happens a lot now is that you know the way music is 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 actually a and um and, and and chosen it's not through going to gigs and like for a passion and love of music it's all done on algorithms like literally like they'll watch for spikes everyone's sharing this track let's get on it 
don't even listen to it. You know, that's a bit soul destroying, isn't it? Uh, but that's that, you know, we're in the world of big data. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if we're going to, there's nothing we can do about that. We're in the world of big data, but that, that data, like Jenna rightly says, should be being paid through to the artist because, like I said, as much as key workers, you know, weren't recognised for, and when they kept our country going, so have the artists. The artists have kept us mentally alive and going. Um, but there's not a big shout out for artists getting paid. Um, so that's something I would absolutely like to, to, to see. So mm. I'll be on mm-hmm. Jenna's soapbox with her he'll know i'll join you as well (laughs) (laughs) we were were chatting before weren't we about how um there's like there is more access in terms of like you know youtube tutorials and you know garage band and software so people can really you know sort of um make a career from from home in 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 some ways but you know don't not always necessarily means that they're going to be able to make money off it um you know but i mean i suppose a a good thing could maybe we said this didn't we Jenna, about an open source like access to sort of information and resources thing that'd be a really great way to get people involved and access to the industries yeah I mean, you know, I think I think when we're dealing with like one percent of the world that um, literally have more wealth than, do you know, what I mean, even the last the poorest five percent, it's ridiculous. That makes me so mad. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like you know, people have got enough. Like you know, people have got enough money, and I'm not saying don't have you know goals and like you know be rich and successful and all that stuff. But really and truly, what people should be looking at after this pandemic is what is important. Like, is it important that like Jeff Bezos could end world hunger three times over, but he doesn't do it on a daily basis. And you can follow his Twitter account. Has Jeff Bezos ended world hunger? I've been following it for three years. He hasn't any day soon. But it's like, instead of going to these massive heights, instead of reaching for these achievements, we should be reaching for everybody to be on an equal footing for if someone does want to be an artist and does want to create, then that means they can support themselves and they don't have to be like a singing waiter or a lawyer who plays bass by night. You know, like people, yeah, I think especially with what's coming up in terms of jobs being automated and computers taking over, I think there needs to be more leeway for what people can do and and have access to and if that means that people like these big uh, companies that have these creative softwares and stuff like that if it means just giving it away for free so that creativity can be exponential instead of controlled by your little world and then makes you rich i'm all for that kind of stuff i'm i'm not like a like a mad anarchist but i am after this lockdown i'm like just put it all online for free and let's all like let's all solve world hunger let's all figure out how to make electricity for free let's i swear if everyone had all the teachings and all the knowledge we'd figure it out together you know, but behind paywalls and this doesn't work. I mean, you know, do you people, do you. And if you want that big house and the big ranch, go for it, girl. But think of everybody else. Like, I just, you know, I don't know. I'm feeling like a bit of a piece today. It's totally fine. (laughs) Totally fine, Jenna. If only we had this like open access. And it's not even just for the correct, is it? If we only just had this open access you know to all this information and resources and ways to learn education education. do you reckon if everyone had access to like a university education and they didn't have to pay like nine grand and go into debt for like however rest of their life would we have all this craziness going on right now in the world because people all people would be educated all people would have been educated for free you know like i just 
I can't see the benefits of allowing some people to be creative or some people to have an education or some people to have access. I don't see the benefits of it because right now what we're dealing with in the world is not like the the good life, right? You know? So I um, wanted to just say at this point, I'm just going to do a big plug for a book here because it answers yeah, happy for all plugs. <laughs> And it's called Poverty Savara and the, the writer, Darren McGarvey, he explains some of the things that you're talking about, Jenna. And, you know, I, I sadly see that quite a lot. It's it's not in most people's interest to change the status quo. And that's the big problem, you know. Um, so, so when we're talking about equality and integrity and, you know, sharing our wealth and our experience, actually... That's not a usual conversation. Read Poverty Safari because it explains to you about how your point about education, Jenna, uh, about how um, lack of of money is a perpetual downward spiral into not being educated, not having access to culture and creativity and all the wonderful things we've talked about. And actually, there are some major fixes in this world by those wealthy 1%. And, And sadly, the more the older and older I get, the more I work with private public bodies, the more I see of the world, the more futile, unfortunately, I'm becoming about people's willingness to want to change it at all. I feel like we should end on a more positive note. I know. Well, <laughs> if you imagine like a recipe, like what ingredients would we need for a better world? Do we think we definitely need all the energy of the of the young people over the past, you know, um, since the twenty fifth of June and the the brutal murder of George Floyd. The voices of the young people that I've seen not only on uh, social media and on the news, but also like going into Manchester and the protests. These people know exactly what's wrong. They need us as adults for, to support them to make these changes because they are they're they're ready for it. They're ready for it, and so I think the recipe is listen, support, squash the patriarchy. <laughs> agreed, agreed, agreed. As a man, I also say let's squash the patriarchy. Yeah, <laughs> yes, seriously, <laughs> absolutely. Rose, what about you? Yeah, I um I agree with all all all, all that Jenna's um had to say um and I do believe that um we have to start now with um remembering how important our communities are so if you if you look at you know what happened in the pandemic and how important your neighbor became or somebody down the street became and I think we lost that somewhere along the way so I do think you know this all the cliches and stuff are true aren't they but you talk about when charity starts at home I do think build back better starts at home I do think it's about making sure that you know your your local area um is is economically sound and you can you can have a huge impact on your local area at Actually, even with, with 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 dead simple things like checking up on on uh, neighbours or you know making sure that you know you're supporting your local causes. So, like Jenna says, you know the the the, the Black Lives Matters um, movement in particular really showed us a lot of uh, the social inequality and the pandemic's shown us the social inequality. And actually, just think about what you can do because you know what we can go oh gig economy. You know what? Well, you know what? If you're going to order a delivery, tip the driver for three quid. You know, don't don't complain about a system that isn't working and is creating currents like you know find what can you do just think like what can you do today what can you do to help somebody else have an easier day and actually if you start thinking like that um about everything and if everybody did actually we'd, we'd be solved um so that's my mission for today 
Absolutely, yeah. And, and normally my, my kind of final question I ask everyone is, is what's one thing everyone could do to make the world a better place? But I think we've already got yours there, Rose, in that one. <laughs> Every single day makes just something better for somebody yeah. else. Support independence, support local and smile at people. Be kind. Definitely. Thank you both so much for uh, for coming on. I hope you've both enjoyed Thank it. You. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. I know. Yeah, no, I hope you've enjoyed it. No, it's been great to have you both. <laughs> I put yeah. a boiler suit on and I got dead militant. I'm like, come on! No, I love it, Jenna. No, Jenna, the, the you know the the revolution is now. I love it. I think it's great. <laughs> it is. The revolution's yeah. only changed, darling. That's all it is. You know That's what I mean? It, yeah. Good. Oh, thank you, Michael. It was lots no, of fun. thank you yeah. both so much. Mm-hmm. And I'll I'll be in touch. Bye. All right then. Thank you guys. See you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you to Jenna and Rose for sharing their wonderful insights. I think that if we want a fairer creative industry, we need one that's accessible, where anyone can be successful, whether they're affluent or not. And the current structure, of particular the music industry, doesn't seem to be working with artists, you know, not being paid properly or fairly. So that needs serious reform. And we all consume media in some way, you know, whether that's a Netflix subscription or a Spotify subscription, we all have art in our lives. And I do think that creatives and artists have been consistently undervalued and that would be something that would be great to challenge and to change. So we need to continue sharing resources, software and knowledge like Rose and Jenna have done with Sharp Futures and make education accessible to everybody. You know, so we can work together to fight injustice and tackle big social issues and inequalities in the world. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe and leave a review on your favourite podcast app. It just helps other people find the podcast. Please also share the podcast too with anyone that you think might need a bit of an uplift. Hopefully we can spread a message of hope and positivity around the world. If you've got a story of someone or a project that's having a positive impact, definitely get in touch. You can email ways to improve the world at gmail.com. That's ways to improve the world at gmail.com or get in touch on socials at improve world pod. You can also reach me personally on Twitter at Mike Makes Media. Hopefully we can work together to find ways to make the world a better place. I'm Michael Sheridan and you've been listening to Ways to Improve the World. Ways to Improve the World is an original podcast produced and edited by me, Michael Sheridan, with music by Sundays and iColleagues. Links to their music can be found in the description. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time.